there can be only one, or two, or three, well, four. Well, but now there's five, and well, technically there were seven, but there can be only one. We watch The Old Guard. We are the film fellas. We watch random movies that you love, hate, or have never heard of, and then we talk about them. I'm Greg, and I can simply walk into Mordor. I'm Nick, and I suck at gambling. I'm Caleb, cautiously optimistic about Robert Pattinson's Batman. I'm Robbie, and I like poker. Let's get into it! Like I said, we are the film fellas. This week, we watched The Old Guard. This was Caleb's pick. Caleb, tell us a little bit about this movie and why you picked it. All right. This movie, The Old Guard, was directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood, written by Greg Rucka, which is based off of his five-part graphic novel series, which, interesting fact, I believe, I didn't do much fact-checking, but I did enough. I believe this makes Gina Prince-Bythewood the first African-American woman to direct a big-budget comic book movie. I heard that too. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. So, yeah, yep. it's very exciting. And it's woman-led. So this, this movie has got it all already, and we haven't even started. Let's start off with our one-sentence summary, where we will all describe the movie in one sentence. Caleb, feel free to pick the order. Mm-hmm. Let's see. We'll just go with Robbie, Greg, Nick, and then I'll follow up. All right. That, that way, if anyone steals mine, then I have to come up with something quick. <laughs> so the old guard. Immortality. Is it an unattainable goal or a fate worth the debt? Nice. That's fair. Mine's pretty similar. Mine is uh, Death. Now that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Oh, that's good. Do you have like a, do you have an Alec Guinness impression to go with that? <laughs> no, that was about it. My one sentence summary is Big Pharma Bad. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my one sentence summary is Who's on guard duty this week? Why, it's Old Man Andy, which is a niche comic book reference for no one in particular. (laughs) Just for Caleb. Yeah, it's just for me. All right, let's go into the plot where we are going to bounce around and describe the plot very poorly. And heads up, everybody, spoilers, we're going through the whole thing. Caleb, start Mm -hmm. us off. The movie starts off in Morocco, where a cool and suave secret spy sort of person, who we later come to know as Andy, is maneuvering the countryside. She runs into this guy, Booker, who is, seems to be an old contact of hers. And then the two of them run into even older friends, Joe and Nikki. And the four of them all together go to Shuatel Ejiofor for a mission. Good for you, a, dude. <laughs> I, I brought the receipt. trying to pronounce his name. <laughs> it's it's Chuatel Ejiofor. I consulted four separate sites whose name is Copley in, in this film. And Copley has a mission to s- save some folks in the South Sudan. Fellas. All right. So Andy, the girl that's in charge of everything, um, goes in with her squad and they go in deep into the desert where this kidnapping is supposed to be taking place so they can save the girls. They go down the stairs, they fight off the guys on the edge, and then they walk into this brightly lit execution chamber. And all of a sudden, all these guys start coming in through the woodwork and start shooting them up and fill them full of holes, and they drop to the Roll floor uh, in, a de- <laughs> in a, like a dead pose. But then, moments later, they start to move. Their wounds start to heal, and bullets start to fall out of them. 
they grab their guns, they get up, and they shoot everyone that was shooting at them and kill them all. Then they look up and say, this was a trap. There never were any girls. And they break the camera. And then you focus back on the guy who gave them the original plot. And that is uh, who's trying to hunt them down because he knows apparently they're immortal. Surprise, this is a superhero film. And we're focusing in on these immortal soldier heroes who actually are at a very depressive area of their lives right now. So they're all upset because they just got tricked into this. Now they're going to have to go back underground again. They're kind of beating themselves up. They all have a dream and a nightmare. Phyllis! <laughs> so then we cut to Afghanistan, where we see these Marines walking through this village trying to find this guy, this probably terrorist gentleman. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> gentlemen, they go to this village. <laughs> they go to this village, and they find the dwelling where he's going to be. And they, they ask the women of the area, it's like, hey, have you seen this person? If so, let us know. There's no shame in giving up a terrorist. And they're like, they, we don't know what you're talking about, while looking over at the door. And they're like, thank you, we're going to leave peacefully. And they kick open the door, and they take out this terrorist guy. And Nyla's like, we got to keep him alive, though. We got we to try to bandage up his, his wounds. And then he pulls out a knife and slits her throat, and then she dies, fellas. The next little bit is she wakes up in the hospital, and she doesn't have a scar, apparently. <gasps> She's also immortal. That's why the people had the vision dun, of her. Dun, dun. Whoa. And then apparently all her friends, Whoa. instead of taking her back and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're alive. Great. They just turn and like, what the hell is this person? And all of her army friends are just all mad at her and like scared, like, yikes, that's not right. And then out of nowhere, Andy, Charlize Theron, comes out of nowhere on the military base, which how'd she get there without being noticed, takes Niles puts her in a car, they drive off. She tries to convince her, hey, you're part of the Immortal Boys. Come join us. She tries to escape. Niall kicks the door out, falls out. It's like, ow, it hurts, but also I'm healing. And he turns around, shoots her in the head. And she's like, oh my God, I am immortal. And they get on a plane, fellas. Get on a plane to go to Paris and they meet up with everyone else and they all swap some backstories. We learn all about how Nikki and Joe met each other and we get some we get some backstory on uh, Booker and some more of Andy. And we learn that Andy is the oldest of all of them. She's been around since she doesn't even know when. And she used to have this old friend called Queen. And the two of them were kicking it on the high seas together until Queen got knocked overboard. Uh, that was in the comic. But uh, in the movie, she gets drowned alive, forced to bear the crushing weight of this yeah yeah uh she gets she gets condemned as a witch and they get separated and she gets put into this iron coffin and thrown into the bottom of the sea and they looked for queen for a long time but they could not find her we also learn that at some point the immortality wears off and no one knows quite why fellas so they're in this house in the outskirts of paris and they're all decide okay now it's time for us all to to relax everything's gonna be fine you know we're gonna talk with her we're gonna really situate ourselves so andy goes outside because she's upset over the story about quinn it's brought up some pretty bad memories and she's walked outside this uh house in the outskirts of paris that they're in and all of a sudden the bad guys burst through the door and they're tracking them down and she hears the bomb blast and the shots fired and goes in to go try and save her friends and when she's in there she discovers that Booker is taking a long time to recover, but he does recover finally. And he tells her that Joe and Nick have been taken. And so they have decided that they have to go try and find them. And 
rescue them. So she goes and hunts down everybody else in the building, and she does it very casually. She just wipes them all out. And Niles walks around and sees all the carnage, and she starts having doubts about herself because she doesn't want to be this type of, you know, mercenary killer. She just wants to have a normal life with her family. And so she start, she gets really shook up by it. And so they go underground now while they try to figure out what to do to go find their, the guys that got kidnapped and fell in. So before this, we find out that Copley took the video of them healing so that he could sell it to this guy who runs this pharmaceutical company, Merrick. And he wants to get a hold of them so that he can basically wipe out disease and aging. And he claims it's for very altruistic purposes, but really it's about making that money, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. That cheddar cheese. So we find out that this pharmaceutical company is the one who took Nikki and Joe, and they want all four of the immortals, not knowing that Niall exists yet. So that's why they sent all the bad guys in. So during the fight where Andy takes out everybody in the place, she finds out that she's no longer healing. So she takes a detour to patch herself up. She literally doesn't know how Band-Aids and antiseptic works because she's never had to deal with it. And then they formulate a plan to go get their compatriots back, fellas. Andy goes back to formulate a plan with Niall and Booker. They go to her cave and they realize... Now I realize, holy crap, she's super old. And she knows all these old artists, and that's neither here nor there. And they go to the big pharma people, and they're like, you know what? It's time to get them back. Well, actually, Niall ends up having second thoughts and being like, yeah, screw this stuff. I'm leaving. So it's just Andy and Booker. So Andy goes to Couple's place, pulls out a gat on him like, hey, we're my boys. And then Booker comes out and betrays Andy. And he's like, hey, psych. I'm with them. We need, to, we need to be all like, hey, you guys have people to live with. I'm grieving on my dead wife 200 years ago. Wah. And they, Andy and Booker gets captured. And Andy realizes, <laughs> wow, she really is being destroyed. And her body will not heal because she gets shot again and is dying. Fellas. Ouch. Niall figures out that Booker is going to betray Andy. So he, she runs back and she confronts Copley. And Copley's like, I'd remember for all this to happen. I just wanted to cure disease and suffering and stuff. But it seems like if you hand over powerful assets to a big corporation, all they want to do is make money. Go figure. And so Copley decides to help Niall out. And the two of them run to confront Merrick. Niall says, actually, Copley, you should wait in the car. I'll take all these guns. And she takes all the hardware. She runs up. She storms the, the castle. She saves everyone. They all run up to the roof. They dispatch the bad guy in, you know, stylistic fashion. And in the end, Niall accepts her fate and realizes that this is who the, she is going to be from now on. She also decides to let it be told that she was killed in action, that she died in Afghanistan. And at the very end, the team puts Booker in a hundred-year timeout for betraying them, <laughs> which is kind of pretty funny. And... But six months later, Booker <laughs> finds Queen still alive. Dun, dun, dun. The end. And sequel set up. Yeah, sequel set up. Maybe. Yep. Who knows? It well. It's tough to tell when the, the profits are measured in resubscriptions and all withheld by Netflix. <gasps> so, fellas, that was, that was the old guard. I want to get some initial reactions because... Honestly, I did not know what to expect from this movie. I just sort of wanted to do 
a generic action movie. You know, get to a, a blockbuster sort of thing. I've been wanting to watch The Old Guard for a little while. So I just decided to choose that. But I want to get some initial reactions. So we'll go in the, the regular order. So we'll start with Robbie and then uh, Greg and Nick. I was very blind going in, and I'm very happy for it because I got the full impact of the themes naturally and organically without being prepped. And I was so happy. I love this film. Really? Yeah, I really liked it. So probably I was already pretty primed for this because I've been reading a lot of Lovecraftian stories lately, and I've also been reading some tales that deal with immortality and people wanting, like, is it really good to live forever, that whole trope. So separate from all of this, I already had that on the mind, so it really kind of dovetailed nicely with what I was currently reading. But what I liked was the writing and the performances I thought were quite good and conveyed what they were going for. It wasn't, it's not the typical wish fulfillment you get from a superhero film. This is a character drama that just happens to have superhero characters in it, which I liked. Hmm, yeah. That was my initial reaction. Agreed. Some, some solid performances from this. Yeah. My initial reaction, I generally enjoyed it. It was not a horrible watch. Didn't feel like the two hours, which is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it moved right along. Uh, more violent than I expected, which I yeah. was fine with. I liked it. Yeah, good performances, pretty good action. Interesting concept where there are these immortals who have just lived forever, and they end up finding each other and try to do good, but they are aware that they can die eventually, but who knows when or where. Interesting concept. So, yeah, fun. I'm glad that you suggested it because... I saw it and I was like, well, that looks interesting, but I probably wouldn't have pursued it on my own. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much exactly why I chose this one is because it's one of those movies that goes on your list, but stays there forever. You're like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'll get to it eventually, I'm sure. But yeah, uh, it is pretty violent. It's a lot more like gnarly than I thought it was going to be because... You know, they are immortal, so they, they take a lot of hits, and some of them are not as straightforward as bullet wounds. So they're cracking bones back into place and some good sound mixing there to real, really make you, you squirm if you're, if you're a squirmer like me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for me, I ended up reading the, like, not the full synopsis, but the little, like, thing on Netflix that says, like, the main concept. So I wasn't, like, surprised at the immortality thing. But what it said was like, and there's a fifth one. And I thought the fifth one was going to be another bad guy. And then it turned out it was just like, hey, join the team. So at first I was like, oh, is there, is um, Niall going to just join the military, keep it with the military and become like this oppressive force? But then it was immediately subverted. And I was like, oh, oh, I wanted to be like an evil, evil bad person, which I think they might be leading towards in the sequel with um, mm-hmm. Queen. Maybe she has some like resentful emotions. But I really like yeah. the action in it. Ooh. At first, I wasn't fully sold on it because in the beginning, it looked like it was filmed on an iPhone, just like student film. Like the lighting wasn't like exceptional. But then it got a lot better later on when it turned to like more darker tones. And my only gripe with it is I didn't like the villain as far as things go. Which one? Like Copley or Merrick? Well, Copley didn't make any sense. Like he turned on them even though he's a big fan. But mostly Merrick because he was so like... <laughs> you guys have a, a duty, a responsibility to be test subjects. When he had his, like Copley, he pulled up how 
he has the samples. They don't need them anymore. But he's like, we must keep them for maybe decades. Ooh, booga, booga, booga. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just rich, big pharma guys. It's, there's clear shades of Martin Screlly in there where he's like, I'm just going to do this for money. Give me oh, your thoughts, Caleb. Uh-huh. Uh, I liked it. I think, yeah, it, it feels more like an hour and a half because there's a half hour of introduction and exposition. But it's like, cool. You know, it's different but familiar. We're like, oh, they have like immortal powers and they have, they're all like drift compatible where they can all like sense each other so that they, they, they're <laughs> magnetically attracted to each other. Like, I okay, did like I can, when the giant robots came. I did. I, no one <laughs> saw that one coming. Kaiju's out of nowhere. Whoa. Uh, Robbie looks confused. Robbie, we're just joking. Drift compatible <laughs> is from Pacific Rim. Yeah. Oh, I did like seen. what the oh. first like when they have the vision of who Niles is or Nile. I keep saying Niles. Mm-hmm. They have like that moment of they all get up and like they immediately say exactly what they saw in order to track her down. Like they had it like down to it. Yeah, team. and they didn't all have the same vision either they're like i know this piece i know this piece yeah let's like, put our pieces together and mm-hmm. form the puzzle they all have this, like, the same dream and they're trying to remember it collectively i also like how they it's all cool. go by one right. name even though like yeah they probably did have last names but just like you know what we're these people now mm-hmm. imagine in combat situations and for going farther along in history that they're like all right we just got to go quicker we don't got time to say everyone's Androcky. full name you know <laughs> when and I, saw- I mean realistically people in the time period of in the Scythian Empire, they would just say their name and then their the place they're from. Last names wouldn't be as popular at that time. I'm trying to remember the ancient Scythians would be kind of like in Rome and Greece, where it would be like you'd have your name and then you would have the place that you're from or your station, rather yeah, than the like Scythians were like family. around the Ukraine or like edge of Russia. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think so. To put it in a, in a historical know, just... context. Yeah, so being that this is like kind of the first action movie we've seen, I want to open up by talking about the action a little because this movie kind of mixes gunplay with swordplay, and I'm yeah. here for it. I don't know about y'all, but like it's been a it's while very since... John Wick. We... Yeah, and uh, a little bit of like... They did some gunplay swordplay in The Matrix, mm-hmm. Like, not a lot. I think there was Matrix Reload. Yeah, but not to the precision and well-executed, like, maneuvering around corners, pop, pop, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's been a while since we've gotten something like that. So if anyone has any thoughts, Robbie, go ahead. The choreography in this, I really liked how they had the swordplay mixing in with the guns during the scene inside the Paris house. When she's fighting through and she's grabbing blades and, and attacking them and has to fight through them. You can see that she's been so experienced through all this warfare. She knows all the weapons. And all. And later on through the different scenes when it shows like Nick grabbing the gun, tossing the gun back, it didn't matter what weapon it was because they'd used all of them by that point. So they were completely comfortable with it. And the actors pulled that off really well to where it looked almost like, like a boring day for them almost because their face was just kind of like, yeah, sure, I'll catch this and do it instead of the normal Hollywood like, Oh, <laughs> for the viewing audience, I just, you know, put my hand against my head. He swooned is what he did. Robbie only knows the silent era of Hollywood, apparently. Mm-hmm. Where people get handed a gun and they swoon instantly. And go, oh. <laughs> the, my only gripe with um, the action is no one ever used recoil at all. 
even when they shot like a grenade launcher, mm-hmm. which it's, it's constantly Hollywood because you don't, it's really hard to simulate like the actual kickback of a gun when you're not shooting anything. But I did really enjoy the action, almost like West Side Story. It, from the standard tropes, it doesn't, it will do a cut, but then it will let you see what the person is doing with that exact like choreography. The like Charlie, Sarah, and Andy, they cut to her at one point and she did like a whole flip on the guy, but they let you see the entire process of it where she pulls him and judo throws him. Yeah. And then after he lands mm-hmm. and you see a little bit of like, he's knocked out a little bit of like idleness. Then they cut to the next part of the fight scene. It wasn't like, say, the born identity where all the fights are just like every other move is another jump cut to like his arm, his feet, his hands. Definitely, yeah. The direction was really good because yeah. you could follow the flow of the fight. Mm-hmm. Legible action. That's yeah. what we're here for. I, uh, I know what Nick was saying in the beginning because that first fight, I was like, oh, I'm not here for the shaky cam cutting mm-hmm. around kind of stuff. But I think that was intentional to show how chaotic it was because later in the movie, the flow of the action definitely gets much more precise and interesting. Mm-hmm. I like the Nile Andy, the Nile Andy fight in the, in the, plane. the plane. I thought, yeah. yeah, I thought that was a good contrast with the one we'd seen to be like, oh, okay, they actually are going to choreograph these and not just have it be the jittery student. Yeah, Robbie, mm-hmm. you were in the Navy, not the Marines, but did you get hand-to-hand combat training there? We didn't do much grappling. We did basics in boot camp but it was only touched on because I didn't have a combat role. So okay. since I wasn't They only going, learned how to fight with oars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we just like, you know, like giant Q-tips on stage. Their wing oh, um, dummy was the helm of a, was a, of a ship. <laughs> but um, I didn't have to have any, so I didn't have any. Because I was wondering, uh, um, like this is, I really like how immortality is played in this one because they're not getting like superhuman abilities like in Highlander. But in this one, Niall is yeah, a just soldier. people. Yeah, yeah, but, but they just can't die. I feel like she has like way too much hand-to-hand experience because she uses two different styles of fighting, like jujitsu and then regular just um grappling. But she like would use her knees in weird ways that like I don't think they were actually like trained to do. Yeah, but the Marines are trained differently than sailors. Yes, but Marines would have uh, it would be completely different, especially if you were going infantry or if you were going to do something like that. Yeah, so it, it would be different. I didn't have any training like that, so I wouldn't be able to help you any more than you probably would. I like um, that they touched on her. They try to instill in you, don't think about the death, don't think about it, but it still like affects her when she kills that guy in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I, I can't really process this. It's, it's hard. And it really sets up the idea of death being so permanent right away and then to immediately have the movie take away the concept of death for people we care about. I mean, nameless grunts die left and right, but. (laughs) Obviously we'll put them in in masks and helmets so that we can get stunt doubles in lickety split. I felt like Niall got over it very quickly though. (laughs) The second like Andy was taken, she's like, you know what? These people mean nothing to me and goes on a rampage. That's true. She she was very much like, I don't want to, be like you i don't want to kill without thought and remorse and then at the end she does exactly mm-hmm. that. And then 10 minutes but later the- like, give me andy back you <laughs> bastards yeah but to the movie's credit they completed like about 90 percent of an arc yeah well i actually think that 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 it carried on the arc well with that because it's not the difference is because her big issue is she didn't want to do mindless killing for what seemed to be no purpose 
Because remember, one of the things she was struggling with was that the old guard didn't want, they didn't actually have like a main purpose. It's like, well, what, why are you doing the fighting? Because it's what we do. And so to her, that would be kind of purposeless. Whereas this, mm -hmm. it, it's not, she's not killing these people for no reason. She's killing these people because she's trying to save someone that she loves. And so that sort of rationale changes it over for her a little bit. And oh. it plays that up during that exchange right before she goes to go like, oh no, the gun is empty. In that moment when she's kind of having flashbacks. Mm -hmm. I would also like to add to that and say that I think the real turning point for Niall is where she talks with Copley and Copley like changes his stance and he reveals that he's, you know, a big fan of the old guard and he's been following the last 150 years of what Andy has done. Like, oh, so Andy, she saved this person whose grandson stopped like this nuclear exchange back in the day. So every person she saves generations later, more people are saved. So it's really sort of an exponential chain of saving people. And I think that is the moment where Niall gets that like, oh, okay, so the, the old guard, they do good. And so I will do this mindless killing in service to the greater good. The one so, thing I, but I just realized that, so. Uh, <laughs> I wanted That's more good. backstory on the characters. Like, I liked seeing mm -hmm. um, Andy and Queen, how they went through, and they talked about how Queen is, like, trapped underwater. But I wanted more on, like, Nikki and Joe, because they talked about how they killed each other in the crusade, and then they're back together. But That was my favorite part. I thought that was really cute. And he's like, the one person they told yeah, me to Yeah, I'm here for Nikki and Joe. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. I, I stand them. And, um, it, it's great. But a I want to know, because they said, like, each other person comes, like, a couple hundred years apart. But they were two people who happened together. Does that mean two people lost their immortality at that point, as, like, with Andy and Niall? Or it doesn't, it doesn't explain seem it at all. to be logical in that way. I think it's kind of <laughs> random. Mm-hmm. Which, so I had this cool theory the entire movie where I thought that Niall showed up because Quinn finally died in the Iron Maiden underwater. Ooh. I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. You know, someone dies, so another one shows up. And then the end of the movie kind of screwed that theory. But, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but it still could be that like, because Andy has completed her arc in, in becoming old man Logan, that she's lost yeah, her... Yeah, they claim that, but she was still immortal when Niall began her immortality, so yeah. that doesn't yeah. track quite as well. It could have been slower. I don't think she like what? took as big a hits after Niall healed for the first time. Well, what I had heard is that in the comics, she doesn't lose her immortality. Oh. So... Interesting. Uh, okay. yeah. I wanted to oh, address how weak the Iron Maiden was. Usually Iron Maidens have giant spikes in them, so it impales them. That was just a... It wasn't an Iron basket. Maiden, it was just a coffin. It was designed to trap her in there and throw her in the water so that she would drown because she was a witch. Which, Jesus Jones, that sounds like the worst thing of all time, just drowning forever. Yeah, yeah. like, there are some moments in this movie where it gets dark real fast, and I think that's, like, one of the biggest ones. The other one is, like, where Booker catches that grenade, and we've just been introduced to the concept of maybe not immortal forever. Mm -hmm. And so Andy is just like kneeling at wake up, Daniel. Like, wake up and like, we can see his like exposed stomach organs and it's gnarly and it's, it's pretty dark. 
uh, I wanted ne- to, oh go ahead oh sorry i just want to do a quick little mini segue there's another netflix show um it's anime called ajin and it's the same thing these people die and they find out they're immortal but they have like stands behind them like big black figures they can fight with anyway one way to activate or get control of them is to hang yourself and if you're one of the people you continuously die suffocate wake up die wake up die until you finally get control of it but it just seems like so awful because everyone all these immortal people like even in this one they feel pain the entire time so having the being alive for like three minutes at a time and getting like the light shut off and having it just excruciating pain is horrendous like with quinn she probably finally got out because the coffin rusted that would have taken a good like oh, yeah. years because of how thick that is. Jeez, oh, that's horrendous. <laughs> well, if this was during the Salem witch trials and they gave up, like it's it's probably a long time that she was down there. Yeah, which uh, I have a question about this, fellas. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the immortality is based on a certain number of deaths or a certain amount of damage, or is it just <laughs> a time thing? Because her. Former compatriot Lycan dies before her, even though Andy is the oldest one that we know of. What do you think stops the immortality? Race. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) I'm thinking maybe my pet theory is that it's a mixture of number of deaths, number of things that would kill you, combined with your mental state. Because the fact of the matter is, before he died, he was like, you know, it's my time. They're very obsessed with destiny and fate. And well, that's because he knew he had lost his immortality. That's not necessarily... Well, I don't know. I believe it's part of, like, they're, they finally accept it's time to go. Like, when Andy first takes damage, mm-hmm. it's after she re- gets reminded of Quinn and her failure there. Yeah, that, that's actually one of the reasons why I... La- like, it's probably going to be debunked, and I, I obviously haven't read the, the comics, but that was my thought process on it. It's like, it's a mixture of the number of deaths you take slows it down, and then when you finally be like, okay, I'm done, you know, this is my time, then mentally let go. I don't know. I just think because the only real death scene we got where the person actually died and passed away was the one where he was like, no, it's my time. It's my time. And then he passed yeah. I'm just going to be contrary and say that I think it's just HP. <laughs> how much damage you take. Eventually, that HP bar gets whittled down. Take so much stress, eventually, you're going to give out. So, which I guess could be related to how, mu- how many lives, but like, you know. You get- yeah, I agree, because they mentioned that bigger wounds take longer to heal, mm-hmm. which I think means you have more damage, so you're taking more of your immortality to come back from it. Like, maybe you have a certain amount of immortality, and it's not so much coming back from death as it is healing the wounds from what killed you. So, like, when they got shot up, yeah, they, they had to spit out some bullets and close some bullet wounds, but mm-hmm. when he took the grenade, like, it took a long time for his yeah. stomach to close back up. Mm-hmm. The rest of his body had to have an internal meeting, like, all right, thanks for coming today. Uh, how are we going to fix this? What, what goes first? <laughs> uh, every, look up in the rule book. All right, it says we should do the intestines first, and then we can start doing a little bit of skin. Oh, actually, you, get, you, you think that these people are like the Flash, where they're like burning a ton of calories, so they have to eat like a ton to like repair their wounds? It certainly didn't show that. Yeah. I would say no, I because show them eating a lot, actually. our mm-hmm. queen survived, and That's she true. had no, oh, yeah. nothing but salt water. Mm-hmm. I want to know, 
since Andy said that she was praised as a god and she says gods are fake and that's all butt kiss, if she knew Jesus back in the day or the story of how Christianity mm-hmm. like began, because she is if allegedly she, she was Jesus. Yo, I did think <laughs> in the picture that that was a college kid with an axe, a guy. And then I clicked it and it's like Charlie's sitting on. I'm like, oh, that's her with short hair. Anyway, <laughs> but red haircut, by the way. Exactly. Like, I wish my hair could be that cool. So, the main reason I want to, I believe that she was alive before Jesus was because she was in the Mongolian China <laughs> war, at least what I saw, because she was on horseback in like traditional Mongolian warrior garbs with her, Quinn, and the other guy. Like him. And. Lycan dies then, but that is before Jesus. That's when uh, Genghis Khan did his big crusade. Was it not? Was Genghis Khan after Jesus? That was in the 1200s. <gasps> yeah, it, was, it was in the 1200s was when far Genghis after. Khan. And uh, Scythian Empire was in the 8th century. Oh, it's God. About 8th century um, to about the 10th. My history knowledge is so old then. <laughs> yeah, Robin Genghis Khan did, uh, I did sleep through most of Genghis Khan did a massive so. push. <laughs> I mean, there were lots of Indo-Chinese wars that you might that you might be confusing with that happened throughout history because China kept breaking apart and coming back and breaking apart and coming back. It was a very rocky relationship with it for a long time. I did like the portrayal of acceptance in this. Andy is quite white. Charlie Theron is the whitest of the white. But then she People had pre- Queen and Lycan, a Asian female and a black male. They were just family at that point. Like, no matter what, Joe and Nikki are gay and two different races, and they met during the crusade. But it doesn't matter. It's just, like, I, I feel like the the longer they're on the earth, the more they realize that, that those are, like, trivial matters. So just, like, hey, you're immortal. You're one of us. We're cool cats. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I think so, too. It's definitely, oh, you're not going to die in this relatively short amount of time that I know you great let's be friends regardless of <laughs> like yeah that's like the bar that they have to get over mm-hmm. uh, also andy doing a pretty good job of keeping pale in the morocco sun a lot of sunscreen a lot of shade for her well, you she's can cut in that in somewhere well there. your your body would heal the the sun wounds true oh yeah Dang. What you get cancer and then you die from it but then you come back and it just keeps happening i think your body would cure the cancer yeah, wow. yeah, it wouldn't metastasize because it would just die before it happened. Yeah, which is part of what yeah. Merrick wanted with their Yeah, they should donate genes. the bodies to science. Speaking of healing your body, how does Andy have piercings? Because I was wondering that too. <laughs> when yeah. okay, Nikki's getting these, exactly. Nikki's in, or the doctor's injecting Nikki and she's like, feel that wrapping around your skin, how it's trying to heal and resisting it, like pulling it out. Yeah. There's no way Andy could have ears pierced. Or else to be constantly trying yeah, to push out the needle. Yeah, because he got pierced and it didn't break off the needle. It just tried to heal around it, but it couldn't because there was a blockage. You know what it is, though? She has to get her ears pierced like every other week because eventually her skin bouncing back snaps the earring. That's my she got theory. Them, she got them ear gains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to get your opinion on the action scenes in this movie specifically with how they're soundtracked because instead of like a sweeping score they opt for electro pop and more of like music that we would hear today and it is all you know within the same tone but it's music with words and 
turns it almost into a music video, if that makes sense. Like that was kind of my perception. And I wanted to get thoughts on that. Did we like it? Did we not like it? I thought it had to do with Niall being basically the main character of the story. Like you think it's Andy, but it's mostly about Niall's progression. And when she first puts her headphones in and listens to music, it's a modern thing because she's early 20s in the military. She's just sort of an average day female. And then having that be her like redemption arc of being like, hey, I'm actually going to join the old guard, the immortal club. They use her music to score it. I do like the immortal boys. That should be the alternate title. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. A lot of complaints I heard when I was looking up reviews of this movie is people were like, oh, the music was blah, 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 blah. But I think it definitely had to do with it being Nile-centric because while Andy is the protagonist, the Nile is like the, the heart of the story, kind of what is driving mm-hmm. the narrative. Yeah. Is the first action scene scored the same when we first find out that they're immortal? Or is it just more of like a, like a, like a movie score? It's not very action-y in general, but I think it's still in the same vein music-wise. Mm-hmm. But it, I think it just becomes more noticeable. Specifically, I think it starts when Andy and Niall are fighting on the plane, when they're fighting for control. I think that's when it starts and it becomes really overt. So I may be a little bit biased because I do like electropop a lot, but I think that it the, the orchestral soundtrack for the ambience was on point. It kept constant throughout, and there was building tension. The pop songs do seem a little bit out of place, but I agree with Nick and Greg in that I think it was much more because Niall was part of the team now. But also, I mean... I could see this playing in a theater. It's it's your summer superhero blockbuster. I expect to have, you know, whatever the top 10 pop songs are to be playing some point during the show. So it wasn't, it didn't really pull me out as much. So I can forgive it that. But also, like I said, I like the music anyway, so. Yeah, you know what my favorite part of Endgame was, is when they played that Ed Sheeran song. <laughs> those pop songs and those summer blockbusters no one okay so this movie has some like crazy kills but most notably when joe flips kane and he just lands straight on his head and breaks yeah the end like oh yeah yeah Yeah. that was the sickest like non-horror movie kill i've seen in a long time so when they go in there and they finally get to him he keeps punching him and i'm like why aren't you shooting him you have guns you've been killing you've been shooting everyone why don't you shoot that guy and then he drops him on his head and i was like okay fair enough (laughs) (laughs) it's because he shot nikki yeah you gotta you gotta make it count and if you're fighting in a fight that you know you can't lose you might as well like make him suffer for a bit i'm pretty sure that's how it goes Also, like that entire fight, like the last fight was my favorite because it made me realize that despite mostly everyone being immortal for the whole movie, they really gave their their actions stakes beyond that. And no time is more clear is than when they're like trying to escort Andy through the facility protect the president style and like the stake there is everyone is like taking bullets for andy left and right and it is very smart and very cool action that's why i heard they had changed it from the comics because after a while you're if there's no stakes why would you keep watching this action movie yeah it's i just think it was really smart it made me smile i liked it a lot 
it kept annoying me when they make the characters take a while to resurrect, especially like when Nikki gets shot in the face and Joe's just staring at him like, come on, get back up. And he's just not moving. And then he starts coughing. He's like, Jesus Christ, stop doing that to us. <laughs> like I said, I think they've been around for so long that it does take a little longer. They said when they first find Niall, it's like, oh, this reminds me of what it was like to first have this, to feel immortal, to just heal immediately and just keep going. But Andy Which also is why I mentioned... think it has a little bit more to do with damage than, uh, yeah. than lives lived. But uh, Andy also like begrudgingly scoffs, like, oh, why did the first few times I was take so long? Because like... But uh, I just got to get used to it. You're not, yeah. you're not a master at it yet. So like it, it bookends with really long recovery time. Yeah. Ooh, I want to talk about sidebar from the action. How one note Andy is in a way. So she gets these people who are become immortal and she basically forces them to be warriors in her gang and keeps killing them until they get it over with. Like she, when she first kills Niall, she goes, Oh my God, it's always so hard the first couple times. Why can't they ever get a choice? They like have to join just because they are blessed with immortality Given that apparently they were all warriors in the beginning, except for maybe Queen, because we don't fully know her backstory, but they have to continue just being these like saviors of the world, just like let people like live a life, like have a vineyard or something. Instead, she has to kill them and bring That's them. Hey, about to be a fighter. It goes through the movie and TV show problem of we can't give you the exact information. We kind of have to dance around it. Where she's like, "Oh, what are we?" So, oh we're this and this and this and I'm not going to tell you we are immortal. Here's what happens. Everything is going to suck for a while, but we've banded together. We found this group, this family, you should come join us. It's, uh, no, I'm going to knock you out and make you come here and kill you and whatnot. I'm going to throw back this entire jug of liquor while I do it. Cause I'm really yeah. cool. Which, yeah, the, uh, the idea of choice versus responsibility, like Nick Ooh. said, you should have the choice, but I feel like, Andy is saying you have a responsibility to use these gifts to try to help people, even though they're at the very beginning of the movie feeling kind of defeated about this. They still have this need to do good. She's no better than Merrick saying that you have a responsibility to humanity. Well, not quite because it's the, the, the concept that we're kind of talking about is noblesse oblige, which is, the obligation of the nobility or the no obligation of the person on top to serve to whoever their servants are traditionally. But it's like, it's not quite as the same because Andy's growth in this story, her arc is dealing with the fact that she has to come to grips with what is our responsibility. And when she lets Niall go, when they're about to storm the building with, uh, oh, what's his name? Copley. Booker. Yeah, Cop Copley. When they're about to storm the building that Copley's in, and she says, well, no, you know, this is your fight too. And she's like, I just want to go home. I want to be with my family. I sh do. Why do I have to do this? And she thinks for a second, she goes, you know what? You're right. Here, go live out your life while you still can. Ditch the guns. Have a good life. And then she goes back and goes to Booker and continues. And I think that was a very... I mean, even though Niall does eventually in her own arc choose to stay with them, that was the first time I think that Andy actually realized what you're saying, Nick, and was like, wait a second, this isn't fair to her. Yeah, I, I, I think that you should probably be given the 
because I think it is right that they all are together and they all are trying to help the world. But I do think that they should be given at least a lifetime to with the lifeline of being in contact with them, because it is strange being the only person that you know who has this power and people really not understanding. Because, and that's, that's another thing I wanted to bring up is the idea of hatred for those who are different and not just race or sexuality, but like throughout history, they are burned as witches. They are hated and feared for their abilities. And even Nile, when she wakes up in the hospital tent, like Nick said, her fellow soldiers who were like her family, they have the pictures and everything. They start treating her way differently. And they're like, oh, we, well, I don't know what this is. I don't trust you because you're different from me now. Which pisses me off because everyone I've talked to has been in the army and the Marines. They usually say like, there's closest family, like, like, or closer in many situations when they've actually seen combat and to have them immediately turn on Nile when it should be a blessing. Like, Oh my God, you're alive and you don't have a scar. This is great. They may be like, you freak of nature. You're trash compared to us because you're different. Yeah. But you got to remember you're not in a movie universe. You know, that you're watching a movie. If that (laughs) happened in real life, you would freak out. Yeah. It's pretty off putting. And yeah. they also don't say that. It's poor, like, a, like they're really just... Yeah, they basically said that. They should just rub some vitamin <laughs> with, their yeah, yeah, vitamin with their eyes. Yeah, they said it with their eyes. I wish like, I had yeah. touched a little more on, but it's, it's a lot of it is people who are higher up trying to use them. Because the military was like, oh, we're going to go for further testing. It's, no, they are going to try to weaponize you as soon mm-hmm. as they can. Like just like America was trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> Why was it an American who was chosen this time? That's what I want to know. We're it's actually random. A, we're, we're a fairly small portion of the entire population yet. Because uh, American heroes are, are big yeah, but in the America. The Scythians were pretty short dynasty as well, you know? Okay, so wait. Booker was fighting with Napoleon, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. He's French. Yep. She was an American soldier, but she was in Afghanistan. They were both in the Crusades. She was Scythian, which was still in that region. Maybe it's a world region issue. Like, it's random both in that region because she wasn't over in the Americas. She was in Middle East where the Crusades would be, near the Napoleonic Wars. Where conflict happens, a new one is born. As long as it's in this specific region of the world. Interesting, yeah, because they all seem to be warriors. yeah. Yeah. And in the Middle East, so... It's so we can bypass a training well, montage. Well, I mean, the French isn't really the Middle East. No, no but because that was what I was looking at, was like, where was that fought? And it was all through France, Italy, and uh, Southern Mediterranean. Well, not close did enough. You guys, Never mind. Did you guys notice Booker's backstory foreshadowing his turn? I did, but only in yeah. retrospect. Because it said Booker was a deserter during the Napoleonic Wars, mm-hmm. which yeah, foreshadowed his eventual turn to uh, desert the group. I yeah. want to know how alcohol affects them. In a lot of superhero movies like The Flash and Superman, they can't really get affected by alcohol because their bodies metabolize so fast. Oh, yeah, it's Captain America also, which I was in the movie, canon, what am I talking about? Anyway, yeah. these guys are mortal and usually like probably poisons wouldn't work on them very well. Mm-hmm. And alcohol is technically just a poison to our body in a um, certain way. So would that like negate it? That's why they have to keep drinking hard alcohol consistently in order to keep it up. I think the drinking of hard alcohol is just the living so long is a coping mechanism. Because at the very end, when Booker is trying to walk to his apartment, he is shit drunk. 
like mm-hmm. dropping mm-hmm. his keys, dropping the bottle. Yeah, it is possible. And I think that you just heal so you don't get a hangover. Mm. So wow. that's sweet. That's lucky. <laughs> and no but I think it's more a, a coping mechanism, which is why, was it Booker who always had the flask with him, who was just yes. kind of all the time? Yeah. Which, uh, I have another question I wanted to bring up. If you are an immortal, shouldn't you want to die and shouldn't you try? Because they kind of brought up all of this like, oh, well, we're going to keep going and fighting. But while Booker did the wrong thing, I kind of understand where he's like, because every every other piece of media where someone lives forever or your Groundhog's Day situation where you're repeating the same thing, you always tend to try to kill yourself after a while because it's just madness living forever watching everyone you love die, watching everything you know be destroyed and start over. That, that really resonates with the memory angle because that's brought up a lot in the show. Dementia, memory, forgetting the, what your parents' faces look like. And I, I thought it's interesting because it's a pretty solid thematic issue of forgetting someone and what a legacy is because that's the thing. They don't have a legacy, really, and that's what's bringing them all down. The only one who had something close to a legacy would be Booker, who had children. And what happened? His children, in the end, turned on him and you know, said, you hate us, you can't do anything for us, and he watched his legacy die. Uh, yeah, that was rough. He, He's dying of mm-hmm. cancer, and it's like, share your gift with me. And he's like, I can't. That's but not a thing that do, can happen. Yep. <laughs> they do have a legacy, and they're, they're shown it in almost its entirety when Coopley shows them his wall. They finally get the impact of Copley. like yep. Copley. Uh, mm-hmm. They finally get the impact of like how much good they've done, even though they always talk about how everything they do is so remedial in the grand scheme of 7 billion people, but then seeing how it's affected the entirety of basically modern civilization with people, they were at the Berlin wall. They were there during the revolutionary war, the civil, civil war. war. Yeah. Also she deletes the photo of herself on the phone, but then she posed for a photo in the Civil War. The first photo yes. we see that. So I did think about that. Yeah, which I like that scene. The 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 scene in the like the very beginning, Andy walks past some tourists and like she gets caught in the like in the background of their selfie. So she offers to take a picture for them, and then in doing that, she deletes the picture that she's in. But like you know, back in the Civil War, that was way before your picture would be used for anything other than like for this one person. Like at most it would have gone to a newspaper. Yeah. But yeah, then it, consistently... say, it seemed like the pose was pretty casual. They were all just kind of hanging out, but yeah, mm-hmm. those pictures took a long time. So they, you couldn't really sneak that kind of picture. Yeah. Also, but she had like a majority of her pictures taken consistently throughout history. Like you see her at the MLK rally, you see her at the Berlin Wall being torn down. Yeah, yeah I feel like maybe that's just a modern thing because how fast like social media spreads. But also, mm-hmm. that was really a concern of hers over time. You think she would realize in the first two hundred years of pictures being a thing? Well, she kind of mentions that at the end when she's having her her discussion with Copley when she's like, "Hey, by the way, this is your job now. You are going to be." In char- you're going to be watching us and making sure that we're not seen. You're going to be wiping our tracks. You're going to make sure that everything passes. And she mentions the fact that how connected everyone is right now, you can't just disappear. And that's what kind of their problem has been. 
because these pictures and everything with social media makes it too easy to track them down. So I think that was where she was like, aha, we can move forward. Look at all this cool stuff that we are doing and we just have to be really private about it. And that's what Copley is going to be as part of that. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Like, it's kind of iffy, but I get it. And I really liked that scene where she deletes the selfie that she's in. It was like some some big uh, spy thrill sort of vibes. Yeah, because um, it seems like in the beginning of the movie, they don't want to have a legacy. They don't want to be seen, which is why she's so pissed off when they come back to life after getting shot up, shoot up the soldiers, and then she looks and she sees the cameras that saw them heal. She's like, fuck. Yeah, it's like they have that line, like, no second job. Yeah, we like, won't they, work they with the same person twice. Right. Very covert. Mm-hmm. Part of that is kind of referenced because the last time that they didn't do that, she got caught with Quinn and was thought of as being a witch because that's the thing. She stayed in that place and she helped them so much. They're like, wait, you, you keep living. Why? You must be a witch. And that's what caused all that. And I think that was really the breaking point. And that would have happened around the time where she was no longer doing the battle. Cause in the beginning, her and Quinn were like openly going out to battle and fighting for all these places and doing all this stuff for people. And then they were captured and she was drowned. Dude, you would think if you're being hung, just play dead, you know? Just pretend yeah, like you're dead. That's a good point. But like, <laughs> you're going to open your eyes and be like, hey, I'm still alive, guys. But, like, you know, it, you die and then, like, you get jolted back awake. Yeah, like, so, when they, um, I don't see how the military people in the first time they were killed didn't keep shooting them because they, like, kept waking up after you almost drowned going <gasps> on the ground. Like, that's a lot of noise. I don't think you can, like, sti- <laughs> stifle it at all. Guess you're right. Uh-huh. I'm, unless it's like the 30th time and you're like, okay, this time I'm going to be Dang it. Next time. Shall we get into America's favorite segment? Yes. Will you lead us in? If you insist. And now it's time for Robbie's themes. Yay. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right. So what do you got for us? The, the biggest theme that I want to talk about, the big two themes I want to talk about is found family, which we've mm. kind of touched on a bunch. And the second one is repetition and legacy. That, so we've kind of touched on both of them already, but I really want to drive home how much I loved the found family feelings that I got from this because they are from all different walks of life. They're from all these different problems and they unite to be like, hey, the rest of the world is going to die around us, is going to disappear, and we won't have them, so at least we'll have each other, which is similar to what you get with, like, the military, for example, where it's a found family, or some friends that you have that are really, really good friends. You get this bond where it feels like a familial bond, even if you're not uh, actually blood-related, mm-hmm. and it can become it's stronger just a in of some ways. movies. Oh. <laughs> um... <laughs> But, yeah, it's, it was done well here, where they didn't have to hammer it into your head. And my favorite part of this whole film brings it up, and that is the scene in the armored vehicle between Joe and Nikki, which was a lovely scene regardless, but where basically he's checking on Nikki to make sure he's okay. And the guy's like, well, what is he, your boyfriend? And he goes, you child, you absolute infantile child. What I have for him out surpasses blah, 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 blah. Yeah, he goes and off. Goes poetic. 
He writes a sonnet and, there and then. Basically. He had that and in his back pocket is, like, for years. He's like, ah, just well, time to But yeah, that but, scene is super good and I think super heartfelt. And yeah, it shows that despite everything, their bond is more than the ideas of boyfriend or husband or friends or family. Their bond is so deep because it's longer than... Long. Exactly. Yeah. It's like that bond cannot be severed. Imagine how crappy it is when one of them loses their immortality. Because oh, they're, they're, then, then they become stuck. Oh, that's going to be in the sequel. No, that's a question. Would they lose it at the same time because they got it at the same time? Mm-hmm. Does it have to do with oh. someone dying so someone else can come in? Or Maybe. is it damage? Is it, yeah, not, a, that's, not that's if it's an about interesting concept. Then, <laughs> then one of them goes down first. Mm. <laughs> then Nikki's severely ahead in that. Yeah, it seems like he's the more... Although, actually, Nikki is, like, more of the sniper, though. Like, in that first mission, like, he's sort of off in the wings, you know, <laughs> given the Overwatch, so I don't know. Tough call. If there's a sequel, we'll we'll have to see. But, yeah, I, I like that scene in the band, too. I think all of my favorite scenes are just when they're all sitting around talking about how old they are, and there's a few of those. <laughs> but, like, the main one is the one where they're in Paris... And Joe and Nikki are like, yeah, we met in the Crusades and uh, we killed each other several times before we figured it out. Like that, I think that was my favorite part. It, they really played with the, the rules of the world and explored that in a lot of more interesting ways other than just like, yeah, I can get shot a lot and still survive. In my notes, I yeah. had um, when Nikki and Joe first introduced themselves and they're like, Turns out I was fighting the love of my life. I'm like, in my notes, I'm like, Nikki and Joe gay, question mark. And then in the van, I'm like, Nikki and Joe gay, check. <laughs> I like how well, all like the... how there's a subtle scene where they're all asleep and they're cuddling. It doesn't really like hold on that. It just kind of sweeps past them. But they are asleep together, like embraced. And it's subtle, subtle little hint that this is what's going on. Just a normalization, man. Totally. I it's also like really how... well. All the are all the like um special force dudes are like against it. <laughs> like ah yeah. Institutionalized yeah. hatred. Also, yeah, how and the hell did they kill those the... guys? I get they're immortal, but there's no way. Oh, they had a long car ride. That's the thing. Like that car ride, I almost think that up to the point where he actually, you know, snapped at him and gave him the poem. Uh, up to that point, they were basically playing with these guys. They could have mm-hmm. killed, you know, they could have knocked them out and killed them at any point up till now. They're yeah. just toying. And that's why I like when they walk onto the plane, they're joking with each other. Oh, there's a TV in here. Is there champagne? Yeah. Like, they're perfectly fine because it's like we, they've probably been kidnapped and tortured before. We'll do a loop times. to that where they're like, eh. that's what they said last time. And the girl's like, it's for the good of humanity in this vial. And like, that's what they said the other time. Because yeah. you got to think if anyone found out that, you know, especially throughout history and today, but throughout history, if someone found out like, hey, this guy has immortality. There's tons of media about it. You capture him. You try and find out why. They've probably gone through this so many times. They're just like. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. I know how to kill them uh, effectively. You put them in acid and close the lid. I think it would so, be the same as the drowning. They would just yeah. keep reforming and dying forever. But I don't think yeah. they'd be able to reform fast enough because, like you saw with the explosion, um, it took him forever to uh, get his stomach back together. Yeah, but it's true. Is that it? it'd be corroding. I got to imagine, based Pirate. on the amount of wars they've been in, 
they had to have been blown all the way apart at some point and still reformed. Hmm. So like, it doesn't have to be a a core part of them that's still around. Which leads me to a a theme I would like Robbie to discuss. Sick effects. Do you think that immortality is suffering or immortality is a gift? Ah, so personally, I think it would be absolutely suffering. I know that throughout history, there's been a lot of stories where people want to get that immortality. They want the Holy Grail. They want the fountain of youth. And inevitably, they always end up in worse straits than they ever were before because who wants to live forever? Because once you start having down this path of like, okay, I can just stay alive, you lose all these things around you, which goes back to that memory thing I was talking about. Andy could not remember her mother could not remember what her sisters looked like. She can barely remember those things from the past. When Merrick was talking, when we first meet Merrick, before we find out his plans, he's giving a seminar on his company having just figured out how to eliminate dementia, which is losing your memory when you yeah. get older. And, it's, and everyone praises it. Everyone's clapping. They're all happy that we're going to be able to cure this so that we can have memories forever. But in reality... Because life is finite, that's why we can enjoy it. Because after a long enough period, you just can't hold that all anymore. And you'll start to forget. So the suffering through this is not just their bodies falling apart and having to come back together. Obviously, they're in pain. The biggest suffering... Mm -hmm. Yeah, the biggest suffering is not remembering who they love. Their loved ones turning on them. People forgetting who they ever were. We say that suffering, even though that's only because of our lifespan the only reason we get so attached to people is because we only have so long in this earth because we all die, which blows, but we try to make something of it by having these relationships. If you're immortal and you have all the time until like the universe collapses, you're not thinking about all the time, your relationships. The only reason like you do those is because you're, you feel lonely and you're like, want to fill the void that you have before death takes you. They don't necessarily have to have that. Like if they were immortal from birth, and they never knew anyone else, and they didn't have that, like, idea of death behind them as, like, a guiding point to, like, create those relationships, this wouldn't be a problem. Well, by that logic, wouldn't the loneliness be suffering? No. If nothing matters, what is the point of living? But the loneliness would be the thing that is the suffering or the grieving of others that you've lost. It becomes Mm -hmm. just you don't have necessarily this feeling of suffering. It's just who you are as you being a thing. Well, I think that when Quinn Quinn was a good example of this because she was found wandering the desert alone, dying, coming back, still wandering alone because she felt so isolated from everyone else that she had lost her ability to go on. She's like, why do I, what's the point? I'm just going to keep going because there's nothing to live for until she meets Andy and then they kind of form that bond and they get the fighting spirit back. Uh, that's just I me, think, man. Yeah, well, Nick, I think what you're getting at is that if everyone were immortal, then it would be okay. Because we don't have a concept of loss, at least not as we do since we're finite. But I think it's, it's a little bit more that like if only one person is immortal and everyone else isn't, I think that ultimately is a lot lonelier a fate because you know you can't even like you watch everyone grow old 
and leave you behind and you are in this group that's all alone and the I'm, easiest, I'm getting bummed out just talking about it just thinking about it it's, the it's easiest kind of comparison the easiest comparison i can think of is with vampire mythology because you have these aristocrats Naturally. living for centuries hundreds of years and their morality slowly changes based on the fact they live so long there are lots of stories like that but some off the top of my head that kind of touch on this a lot is like True Blood touches on it a lot. The Twilight. Oh, what's the series that? Oh, I can't remember the series. I believe the, the term you're looking for is Twilight. No. But they do touch uh, on it. Well, yes, they do. They do. They do touch on it. I just don't like Twilight. Uh, yeah, a little. So I don't think of it usually. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take a real lame center of the road answer and say that it's a little bit of both. Especially in this movie, where there is the suffering of loss and forgetting and, again, dying all the time. But it's also a gift because, like, we find out that they have shaped human history ultimately towards its betterment. And with the history, you can kind of learn how to continue to do that. So, theory. like, the classic thing of immortality is if one person's immortal, they believe they're as gods. But for some reason, Andy believes he should be a savior of the people instead of being praised or worshipped as she was once but she ble- believed that she should stay in the shadows and just help humanity overall but mm-hmm. think of comic book characters like vandal savage he wants to be mention that yeah exactly he wants to be this uh big boy king of the world in a way as he was back in like the mesopotamian empire or something you're immortal you have say in what the world does because you're the only one who's going to live in there for the remainder of humanity but then we have Andy who instead of who ends up stopping these people from doing said I'm king of the world bit and instead makes them a random little task force for her own benefit. I think it's so hard to fathom the idea of living hundreds of lifetimes that you could say, Oh, I would do this. I would do this. But I imagine she has done all of those things. Maybe this is what works for her. I don't know. On that note, though, fellas, would you recommend this movie, and under what circumstances? Let's start with uh, Nick. I would recommend this. It's a very fun action film, and majority of the characters are very fun. fun. Nikki and Joe are obviously the best characters. <laughs> and I think I love, so. They're a lot of fun. I love immortal yep. fighting. Like Highlander was my, my poop as a kid. Not to say the other word, and the movie Winnie Foster. He means feces. Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> the movie Winnie Foster was also one of my favorites. A good musical too, and it has to do with a non-immortal dealing with losing immortals as she grows old. But seeing them in a fighting stance, like action in modern day, is freaking sick. And if they can do more kills, like uh-huh. what happened to Kane, I'm into that. So this is a high recommend if you just like action and just like turning your brain off and be like, yeah. I would also recommend this movie. I thought it was pretty good. Heads up, like I said, it is very violent. There's mm-hmm. a lot of blood, which I thought was dope. I watched the movie the whole time being like, oh, Caleb's not going to like this part. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Like I, there part. was a lot of like, oh, that's rough. Um, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was a good concept. I think it was well executed. It's not the greatest movie. I definitely struggled the next day to remember kind of what the bit by bit parts were. Mm -hmm. 
it has it has interesting ideas, but it's 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 fun. It's fun. I would recommend it if we're all stuck inside. You want to watch some kind of action? Go ahead. Yeah, uh, I guess I'll go next. Uh, yeah, this is this is a recommend for me under the circumstances that like you know you you're into action flicks and you haven't seen this one yet. Because uh, yeah, as Greg said, the there were some parts that didn't quite agree with me, and just that like. I got like just a little like, ooh, that's that was a that's a gnarly hit, but yet yeah, some smart action, a pretty good soundtrack, and a lot of fun scenes where all these old people are just chatting about the old times. Basically, if you took a bunch of Wolverines and gave them guns and swords, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I really like this film. I am not a person who typically likes superhero films, but I really like this one. And it but does would a lot you of recommend it. Yeah. Yes, I would definitely recommend this. I would recommend this to people who don't like superhero films, which hmm. oh. you know is is a pretty big recommendation generally. Because usually, I don't know. I just find a lot of them to be kind of shallow, which will probably give me tons of hate. But it's the truth. Um, but it's this one was, already. I thought, fairly deep. It was well written. The philosophy that it dips into was nuanced instead of just being you know, just black and white superhero fantasy. So I really liked it. Excellent. Well, that was our discussion of Old Guard, Caleb's pick, very good choice. Next week is Robbie's pick. Robbie, what are we watching next week? Yeah. Next week, we're going to be watching Pan's Labyrinth, which oh. I have never seen. Oh, you haven't? Oh, let's go. Oh, three on one, this will be fun. You'll enjoy yeah. it, Robbie. That'll I be a good you'll time. you'll like it. Yeah. Uh, this I like this one a lot. I was scared of it as a child. Oh, Eyeballs in the hand. As you should be. As if you child, think you'll do yeah. really appreciate it. <laughs> Sometimes. So please join us next week when we discuss Pan's Labyrinth. Please follow us on social media for Facebook. We are Four Film Fellas. That's F-O-U-R Film Fellas. And on Instagram, we are the same. Four Film Fellas. F-O-U-R Film Fellas. Thank you for joining us. See you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye.